Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Wednesday, the 25th of January in London. Coming up this hour... Microsoft's softer forecast. Grey clouds ahead signal a change in the weather for its Azure business. Making a material difference, the US and Germany get set to send tanks to Ukraine. Priceless trades, New York Stock Exchange shares go haywire after a glitch at the open. Budget black holes, this issuance starts at home and time to get active. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. I'm James Wilcock. Plus equity incentives. Bank of America awards staff with stock in a bid to retain talent. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe on DAB Digital Radio London, Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Cirrus XM Channel 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. Just some breaking news from the chipmaker ASML this morning. A red headline on the terminal. Net sales in the first quarter, 6.1 billion to 6.5 billion euros. The estimate had been uh, for less than that. 6.07 billion euro was the estimate for ASML's net sales in the first quarter. The company seeing their 2023 net sales to grow over 25% compared to 2022. A big reading for a major chipmaker here in Europe. An interesting reading on how things are moving in that sector. Right, let's go on to our top stories now. Microsoft shares swung into the red in late trading after the tech giant said that revenue growth in its cloud computing business is now slowing. Reacting to the results, senior software analyst at DA Davidson, uh, Gil Luria, said that the tech giant had done a good job of flagging the issue to investors. I think Mr. Nadella tried to prepare us for that over the last few weeks, telling us that the enterprise spend environment is probably going to be lower for the next couple of years. That is still the case. There's going to be a, a deceleration in that type of spending across the board, well beyond Microsoft, and it is going to impact the results. Gil Luria there speaking to Bloomberg as Microsoft reported revenue growth of 2% in the second quarter. That is the lowest, uh, the slowest rather, in six years. Sales did rise to $52.7 billion for the period, roughly in line with what analysts had projected. And we'll have a lot more on this story and the broader tech issues with Bloomberg's Alex Webb in just a moment. 
The US Justice Department and eight states are suing Google in a bid to break up its advertising technology business. The antitrust suit accuses Alphabet search giant of illegally monopolising the digital ad market. Attorney General Merrick Garland says Google is killing competition. As alleged in our complaint, for 15 years, Google has pursued a course of anti-competitive conduct that has allowed it to halt the rise of rival technologies, manipulate auction mechanics to insulate itself from competition, and force advertisers and publishers to use its tools. In so doing, Google has engaged in exclusionary conduct to severely weaken, if not destroy, competition in the ad tech industry. Garland's allegations are perhaps unsurprisingly rejected by Google. In a statement, the company said the legal action will slow innovation and raise advertising fees. Now, the United States is poised to announce that it will provide its main N1 Abrams battle tank to Ukraine. There have been growing calls to send Ukraine more advanced weapons, including from the NATO Secretary General, Jens Stoltenberg. The only way to lasting peace is to make it clear to Putin that he will not win on the battlefield. Stoltenberg hopes that the tanks will help Ukraine punch through the Russian lines and blunt a possible spring offensive. Sources say that Germany, which had insisted that it didn't want to be the only one to make the offer, will send 14 of its Leopard tanks. The New York Stock Exchange says some trades will be declared null and void after a technical issue at yesterday's open. With more, here's Bloomberg's Charlie Pallas. A glitch caused hundreds of securities to commence trading without an opening auction price. The NYSE said transactions in a swath of stocks will be reviewed as clearly erroneous under NYSE rules. The exchange did not elaborate on what prompted the system issue, as the exchange dubbed it, that set off wild swings and trading halts as the session opened, causing dozens of the biggest U.S. companies to suddenly plunge or spike, in some cases veering 25 percentage points between a high and a low in a matter of minutes. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Bank of America is rewarding the majority of its staff with a pool of restricted stock. The incentive, which comes on top of normal compensation, will go to staff who earn less than half a million dollars a year. It's the sixth year that the firm has paid this kind of share reward, uh, which now totals more than $4 billion. Bloomberg understands that around 96% of Bank of America's global workforce are eligible for the scheme. Inflation in Australia has hit a 32-year high in the final three months of last year. Treasurer Jim Chalmers says it's too early to say if price, price pressures have peaked. This is very high inflation by historical standards. There's no use pretending otherwise. It's unacceptably high. Now, this is likely the peak in inflation, but we won't know that for sure until we get the numbers for this March quarter that we're in now. Chalmers was speaking as the data show that CPI rose by 7.8% from a year earlier. That's exceeding the consensus estimate, which was for 7.6%. OK, those are a few of our top stories for you this morning. So um, a Bloomberg story that I think is going to be very widely quoted today. So I want you to watch out for it and I'm going to give you the details. It's Bloomberg's UK levelling up scorecard. It's by Joe Mays and team. So remember back to May 2022, Joe Mays' diligent work, data-driven work, was first published and it really changed the conversation about the government's main aim, Stephen, this idea of levelling up the country. It They went sort of constituency to constituency. They've updated the scorecard 
And I'm afraid to say the result is pretty dismal. It looks like um, a lot of areas across the northwest um, and southwest of England have actually managed to lose additional ground compared to London and the southeast. Yeah, that is perhaps a main meal of your news today. But can I offer you some cake? Uh, with the latest okay. piece from our opinion columnist Andrea like Felstead, who is pushing back on this suggestion from the UK government's food standards agency that uh, Susan uh, that Susan Jeb um, saying that bringing cake into the office should be seen as harmful in the same way as passive smoking. Andrea Felstead disagrees. She says that these sorts of treats, of course in moderation, is good for the soul and fine workplace management. It is a fascinating <laughs> and hilarious <laughs> piece uh, from Andrea, uh, who talks through the the kind of importance for morale in the office of having little treats like this. Yes, I like um, that. And how feeding people can be good. Of course, not as a replacement for anything else, not as a replacement for, for higher pay or proper incentives, but it can be something kind that helps bonding. to boost morale. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I did read that piece and I really, really liked the line about red velvet cake. Apparently, it's a bit like red lipstick. It's one of those treats if you can't afford the really fancy, I don't know, Michelin-starred restaurant, a little bit of cake will help well, they're, they're not a great combination, though, cake and lipstick, but still, it depends, no. on, it depends on the brand. <laughs> right, up next, <laughs> Office for Budget Responsibility Woes, the kindness of households, and why a la carte investing is on the table. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's James Walcock joins us now with the details. James, let's start with the piece in The Times about the gloomy UK economic outlook and how it leaves Jeremy Hunt with a black hole in his budget. Yes, and, Caroline. Yeah. I mean, um, but first off, where's my cake? Uh, I was There was no offer for me. Um, so we were talking a bit sort of yesterday about how there were some sort of brighter signs for the UK economy and how that's leading some ongoing sort of Tory MPs on the backbench to push for tax cuts. Now, the Times have got on hold of this private submission to the Treasury from the OBR mm. and they are downgrading the estimates for medium term growth. That's sort of the growth that's about two to five years out that would wipe out all of the government's £9.2 billion of headroom. Uh, and given we had yesterday's public sector net borrowing figures are, were so much higher than estimates, government bonding is now £9.8 billion higher than projections from mm. the OBR at the autumn statement. It basically is saying kind of there is no room to play with for tax cuts, spending, etc. And the former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, said yesterday that the UK was at the most difficult position of all major world economies. So that's that kind of gloomy outlook that we were hoping this year would be bad and then growth would improve. The OBR, that increasingly seems to say, is not the case. Well, except Dan Hansen, of course, who is a top forecaster, um, says that actually the UK recession in 2023 is no longer nailed on. So this is the rub, isn't it, for the UK? How gloomy do we need to be? 
With the Telegraph, meanwhile, writing about how the Treasury is turning to households for cheaper borrowing. So this was a really interesting one, Stephen. As prices and interest rates get higher, and we just talked about how the, the cost of servicing government debt is going up so much, especially with the, the big energy subsidies they've been giving out, going to the markets is a very pricey choice. But going to consumers and households is looking increasingly more attractive. So the National Savings and Investments Bank, which is where the government issues its premium bonds, which is where sort of your ordinary household would buy, is increasing its rate for the highest rate in 15 years to 3.15% in February. Now, now, that is hoping it will attract more people from sort of the increased rates of sort of consumer retail banks and also diversify the government's portfolio. We had the pension crisis last year and a lot of sort of people in government are apparently saying, well, instead of relying on the kindness of strangers, maybe we should be looking at the kindness of homeowners because it's less risky and a way of sort of giving them more sources of income when there are problems in sort of the wider financial markets. Okay, uh, turning then to the FT next, uh, Mohamed Alarian's writing on passive investing. Mohamed Alarian is hungry. I mean, we're all about cake today, and, <laughs> and it's not just returns he's after. He has this column where he compares passive investing to his days of travelling around Europe. You could go for all these a la carte menus because you knew that it wasn't going to make you sick, it was good food, it was low price, and you had a long list of dishes to choose from, and it was a good way to keep expenses down. And now he says, now imagine a different Europe where some of the dishes will give you a stomachache, there's a high risk. He's like, there, you might want to be a bit more selective about what you're choosing. And he's like, so that's not just an eating problem, it's a central bank problem. In this kind of fluid world where now the interest rates are going up and there is no easy common variable boosting asset prices, you're more likely to get overshoots. And he gives you a bit of economic theory, of course, Elarian does. He says, go and reread the market for lemons, which is where if the seller doesn't know what they're buying, it's often the seller who's getting this worse deal, a lemons, like in the US terms, for like a worse car. And so therefore, you should do your best as a trader to get better to beat information asymmetry. Otherwise, uh, you're going to get left behind, whether you're a passive trader or a bad investor. Uh, Okay. Uh, Yeah, uh, very interesting. I like that argument. I mean, it's the fight back, isn't it, this year in volatile markets for for, uh, for active investing rather than passive investing. Thank you so much, James Walcott, for a look through then the top stories in the newspapers this morning. Let's dig into, though, the results out today. Microsoft, the software giant, warning of a slowdown in revenue growth and its cloud computing business, Azure, uh, fueling concern about a steeper decline in key products. For more, let's speak to Bloomberg's Alex Webb. Alex, good morning. Good to have you with us. How big a slowdown is Microsoft expecting? It's going to be a four or five percentage point slowdown in the growth. Gains were at a percentage in the sort of mid 30s uh, in the previous um, quarter. So, you know, probably looking at somewhere in, in the 20s. Now, obviously, this has been the business that's been driving so much of their growth in, in recent years, but it, it sort of indicates how much of the demand that they were perhaps expecting to surface in these few years was pulled forward by the COVID-19 pandemic. As people work from home, demand for cloud services jumped through the roof, accelerated far more quickly than would otherwise have been expected. And now that is having an effect today. What about the outlook then for Microsoft's other products? They've not been terribly opt- um, bullish on you know things like software sales. The thing that remains often quite resilient is the ability to sell things like Office um, 360 or 365 to um, to uh, companies you know who want to 
be able to use Word, no matter where their employees are, that's going to slow down as well. Gaming as well, you know, the, the cost of living crisis here in the UK is a good example of how people maybe have less disposable income to spend on games. So not a huge amount of optimism elsewhere in the business um, to, to offset some of that slowing growth from Azure. Okay. Um, did we learn anything more about the purchase of the company that owns ChatGPT? Everyone's focused on this. Well, we should be clear, it's an investment in OpenAI, but they mm. will be the biggest investor and it will give them essentially first dibs on a lot of OpenAI's technology, not least ChatGPT, the uh, uh, conversational AI that's been, you know, having a real moment uh, since it was released as a beta just before Christmas. Uh, Satya Nadella said on the earnings call that they're going to lead in the AI era. Um, the expectation is, though, that we're not going to see it anytime soon in, for instance, Microsoft Word, where you'd get an assistant or giving you AI prompts. It's more likely to be as a service, uh, an add-on for Azure. So if we see some of the slowdown in Azure, if you want to build a business uh, that you know leans on ChatGPT, then you have to be doing it on the Microsoft Cloud, not on competition uh, competitors offering from, say, Amazon or Google. So it's really seen as a way of beefing up the Azure uh, lineup, and it will therefore plug into other uh, AI-built businesses. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.